You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. You know when you go to the petrol station mm-hmm. and you put your your um, is that what you call you it? Put your nozzle in the thing. I was going to call it a gun. You put your gun <laughs> in the hole. Sometimes it takes a second, right? So what I do is I go. I kind of rustle it up and down to make the petrol come out because mm-hmm. I'm like, come on now, let's start. And I'm clicking my thing and then it works. Did you know that the man or the lady in the shop has to press a button to allow they you? Don't. That is yes. not true. That It is. I learned it on TikTok and I was like, oh, that's mm. a really funny joke because it it's be almost then. believable. Like it actually must be true yes. if it's on TikTok. And then I put it on our work messaging thing and I was like, guys, this isn't true, is it? And then everyone looked at me like I was an idiot and was like, yeah, obviously, that's how when you walk in afterwards, I always wonder, how did they know I was at number 10? But they never know. They always have to say. Oh, no, they look at me and they're like, yeah, number 10, you're however much. If that happens, I assume they were just looking out the window and saw me No, it's where because I was they standing. have a little, I don't know what they have, but I imagine it is like a pad thing and then they see you coming and they're like, unlock, and then they unlock it so all my rattling actually hasn't been doing but anything that just oh can't be gosh. true because often you'll go in and there's just one person working there and they've got to be serving people and someone's coming to buy a crunchy bar and someone's coming to apparently, buy apparently what we haven't noticed is that sometimes while they're serving us they will go over to a thing and press a button but mm. i'm so oblivious to the world around me this has changed my life this information because one of my anxiety points is when i believe can't it. do simple things that everybody else can mm, do me too and i have a very clear memory of driving into a servo that used to be near oxford street in sydney and I couldn't fill up my car. Like I was literally standing there going click, click, click. And I decided I was an idiot, got back in my car and drove away. My sister's done the same. And apparently all you need to do is make eye contact I've with the person that. in the shop and say, excuse me, can you turn my thing on? Welcome to Mama Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Jessie Stevens. I'm Mia Friedman. On today's show, over the last couple of days, you might have heard the words GameStop bandied about as if you're meant to know what that means. Jessie has got 60 seconds to make us care. Also, the new Sex and the City reboot is going to deal with COVID. Of course it is. But what do we think about our escapist pleasures being dragged into the real world? But first... Before we get started on our first topic, I just want to throw in a little disclaimer because we're talking about the COVID vaccine and about a group of Australians who are supposed to be the most hesitant, which is very relevant to our audience. Of course, here at Mamma Mia, we are pro-science, we are pro-medicine, always pro-expert. So never take advice from us or anyone else you see on Instagram. Go to the links that are in our show notes that are taking you to all the official government information about the vaccine, which will be here in March. No social distancing going on really at all in WA. It's imperative that this snap lockdown be brought in to give the contact tracers enough time to get out to all those places this chap has been to and see uh, whether any Western Australians have actually picked up potentially this new transmissible UK strain. As we're recording out loud today, our friends in Western Australia, particularly in the southern half from Perth down, are in lockdown. After one case of COVID was diagnosed in a security guard working at a quarantine hotel and he is thought to have the most infectious strain from the UK, Premier Mark McGowan immediately announced a hard lockdown for a short period so that the contact tracers can do their jobs. Do they know how long yet? Five days. Five days, days, right. Of course, 
we're sending all of you a lot of love who are going into that. They it, only had three hours notice. I I, there's no other wow. lockdown that's been that fast. And they and with one case, that's mm. yeah. And it was immediately supermarket at eleven paces and everything. But obviously, they were sending you lots of love because it messes with your lives, your plans, your work, and everything. But also, this is the new reality that we're getting used to living in now. Restrictions easing, restrictions tightening, borders opening and closing, constant shifting comfort level with just how much COVID there is bubbling away in our country. And it's how we're going to live until the vaccination rollout happens. Now, the vaccinations are being rolled out right now in many countries around the world. And our turn is coming in March when the vaccines arrive in Australia and the plan will be enacted that vaccinates top priority people first, so essential workers, aged care and disability home residents, and then come down in a kind of age order. That's how it's working in many places. But a study by the health department here in Australia shows that actually the section of the community who's most anxious about getting the COVID vaccine are women aged 30 to 39. And that's a finding that's been echoed in other parts of the world too. Why? Well, I'm going to put a couple of theories out there and then we can discuss. The easiest answer and the one that's being bandied around on media a lot is apparently that this group of women, and we know that there are many, many, many outlouders in this group of women, are most likely to be influenced by so-called wellness culture, in inverted commas, and specifically by the kind of wellness culture you find on Instagram, where there's a lot of anti-vaccine rhetoric circulating. But another and also obvious answer is that it's about fertility. Women in their 30s are most likely to be pregnant, breastfeeding or raising a young family. Late 20s and early 30s are the years that Australian women have the most babies. And several of the vaccines being used across the world are not recommended for pregnant women because they weren't tested on pregnant women. Now, apparently this is really normal. The first group of people in any test are healthy adults, not kids, not pregnant women. But as the trials will advance, they start including more groups. And all the makers of the main vaccines, so Pfizer, AstraZeneca, say that they're updating their trials with pregnant women and they will update their information as they go. Australian government says it's going to update information for pregnant women just before the rollout. Now, Jesse, this is your demographic. Are you seeing this hesitancy among your friends? I'm not seeing it among my friends, although I reckon those two factors are at play, but I think there's a bigger factor that we need to acknowledge, suggesting that 30-something women are on Instagram and that is why they don't want to get a vaccine is so patronising and sexist. And there was an incredible article this week that came out of The Guardian which basically said we don't know why women in their 30s are resisting the vaccine because no one's even ever bothered to ask them. Mm. Uh, But what some early studies suggest is that if you are a woman in your 30s, then you might have gone to a doctor in your teens with really bad period pain. You might have had misdiagnosed endo. You might have PCOS. You might have had your pain dismissed by doctors. You might have been prescribed a birth control pill that had horrible side effects. You might have had some really shitty experiences and felt overall quite dismissed by the medical profession. But why more than any other demographic? I mean, a lot of women would say that's happened to them. Why women aged 30 to 39 more than others? I think this is why the wellness things are cropping up, is that now there does appear to be this other option, which isn't necessarily right, but I think it is a reaction to women feeling 
not just this generation, but as you say, decades, hundreds of years of women's pain being dismissed or doctors suggesting that it's psychological rather than physiological. So like the erosion of the expert trend. Yes. And I think that that's because women do feel there's distrust. And some doctors have said that that distrust has been very well earned by doctors. And I think that that's got a part to play. That Isn't it just about baby making though? 30 no. to 39, that's when you have your babies. Yeah, that's definitely an element, but there's a lot of women who don't want to have babies. Secondly, there are a lot of women who would be considering having babies later than that. No, let's, I mean, there'll always be outliers, mm. but let's say the bulk of women aged 30 to 39 are in baby making years. Yeah. Either they're having their second baby or their first baby or their third baby or whatever. But they're the sort of peak years of fertility. The average is like thirty. Say yes. Statistics say in Australia that late twenties, early thirties, most common time to have a So baby. is that something that you and your peer group being just 30 now and in your 30s are talking about. There was a great episode of The Quickie that I listened to a couple of weeks ago where it was talking about women choosing between shall I have a baby or shall I get a, get the vaccine this year? Is that something that's coming up in your friendship group? Yes, we've discussed it a lot because it feels like your 30s is a decade, potentially more than any other decade, where there is this clear timeline. It feels like you've got all these boxes that you want to tick and some of them can't shift or they feel like they can't shift, right? So A bunch of us had a timeline which was like, travel, do safari in Africa, Um, marry, before you have your kids. And then have kids. And that's a worry because now we're looking at it going, if I, it's now in the back of your head as this, I might not be able to travel if I decide to have a baby in the next two years because if the vaccine is incompatible with pregnancy and breastfeeding, Mm. then that could really put you off, which is a massive decision. If you're someone whose family lives overseas, which is what the quickie episode touched on, then you're deciding between seeing your extended family for the first time in God knows how long or having another baby. So you're saying people have got to choose between will I get the vaccine or will I hold off Yeah. to what, to after I have a baby? Yes. But your breastfeeding pregnancy baby making years go on a long time. I mean, I was doing that from age 25 to 37 or something. I... First of all, I want to throw in a disclaimer that you should not take health advice from us. Oh, right? no. So you make sure you're going to reputable sources and that you're asking medical professionals. But research is saying that there are myths flying around about the vaccines affecting fertility, but there is no evidence to suggest that it does, right? No. So they are at this point not recommending it for pregnant women, but they're not suggesting that in any way it, it would interfere with your fertility. So it doesn't necessarily affect your plans unless you are pregnant. But the other thing that I feel the need to say is I love the fact that women who are planning their lives and their timelines think that this stuff is so predictable. Like I'm going to go to Africa (laughs) and then I'm going to get pregnant. In fact, I might get pregnant on the way home from Africa, maybe on the plane. Maybe because then I've done it. That is so true. That is the shit that that you think can be planned. It's not the way the world works. How many people do we know are listening to this show whose plans were very wildly Mm. thrown out, their baby-making plans, by a million different things? So this is a factor. Sometimes they come earlier than you think and sometimes they come later and also sometimes your partner maybe doesn't want one or you change your mind or there's a million fertility issues and you can't get pregnant I mean we all know about that so I I think this is one of the other factors to throw into that mix but your point Jesse about women 
like basically they don't know enough about why women are refusing the vaccine because they're not asking them is a very good one because also until about 25 years ago, women weren't even included in most medical trials full stop. Exactly. There was just an assumption that what worked on a male body would work on a female body. Is that because we have babies? Partly why. And the patriarchy. Um. So, for example, a heart attack, they would say, oh, the symptoms are your left arm or your you know, all of those yeah, ones that you get. and they're different for women. The symptoms for women are completely different. And so it might feel you might get a pain in your jaw. You might It's completely different. Same but they with ADD, asked. the exactly. diagnosis and the symptoms and autism in many cases. And obviously that's not the case anymore and women are included in medical trials. But it's, yeah, it, it is really interesting because there is something mm. at play there. I would love to know what out loud is think about why 30-something women are the ones who are most hesitant about this vaccine rollout. And also I know that I'm not in the demographic, but I just, for the record, I'm going to be the first to get the vaccine as soon as I'm allowed, shoot me up. And remember, if you want information about the vaccine and the rollout, go to the Department of Government Health website. We will put the links in the show notes and, of course, ask your doctor. Tell us. Tell us. Tell us. Come on, tell us. Tell us where you're listening. Hey, Mamma Mia Out Loud. My name is Amanda and I wanted to thank you for getting me home from work every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. You make my commute so much easier. Have you guys heard, I don't know if it's one word or two words, but GameStop? Yep. I do. This is a conversation that's come up at my dinner table a number of times. It's happening I don't know you. what's going on. Holly, how about you? You look terrified, terrified and tra- actually traumatised. We're going to talk about something about financial markets, which is a special area of blindness for me. Yep. Uh, and we discussed this in an editorial meeting recently and I was like, I do not understand it. You're like, we need to talk about it on Out Loud. And I said, only if... You can explain it to me in 60 seconds. Yes. Okay. So first what I'm going to do is there is a viral video going around of a woman who has a few shares and therefore she's like, I can explain this. I've got this. So let's play a little bit and just see if we can warm you up to the idea of what GameStop is all about. From what I understand, there are these people, they have lots of money and they have hedges around their house and they go to the market but it's like not a real market it's a meta it's metaphorical but it's real and they um they go uh-oh that company is not doing well so i want to i'm going to make it do worse so they um pull out some papers and they go who wants to make a deal they start making deals and they say if the if this price if this company's Good. If it stays, if it goes down, then I get money from you. And if it goes up, then I'll give you money. But uh, they don't tell you that it's not, it's not going to go up. I mean, they will make it so it goes down. The the strain in her voice, I can really relate to because I reckon I've asked four different people to explain this to me and I'm no closer. But I like the part about the hedges around the house. That I can imagine. All right. I'm going to try in... As quick as possible, just explain. Okay. All right. For start, I'm not going to explain the stock market or Reddit or GameStop. I, I'm just going to try and get the general gist. All right. What are you going to do then? <laughs> I'm going to start with the fact that rich people have monies and the poor people have less of those. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. This. And rich people always say to the poor people, why don't you invest? If you invest, you wouldn't be so poor. And when they want you to invest, it's in the shares, which is on the television, on the news, okay. ASX. I don't know what ASX stands for, but buy the thing. Australian that are Stock not real. Exchange. Oh, shit. Look at you. Exchange. Okay. 
the memes keep saying that now the poor people have been like, I'm going to invest. And now the rich people are like, stop, don't do it anymore. It's really messing with our plans for the stock market. GameStop, I will just explain that it's a retailer like EB Games. It, it owns EB Games. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, Apparently. It is. Okay. Yeah. So it, it wasn't faring well for a number of reasons. COVID, it's a retailer. People can download games yeah. now. It's just not going that well. Because they don't have online stores, which I found really funny. (laughs) They don't have a very good e-commerce business, even though they are a gaming place. And an internet community, this is Reddit, as a joke, they were semi-ironically just decided to buy stocks in GameStop. And they did that. Like lots, like hundreds and hundreds of hundreds, like a lot. Because in America, I think the relief checks have just gone out. The COVID relief checks from the government. So people have got a little bit of extra cash. Exactly right. And they did that because they knew that it would mess with all the people who were buying shorts. I'm not sure if I'm using the word shorts correctly, but what I do know is that what you do when you're a rich person who understands shares is that you buy the the ones that are going down and then you sell them again. It's like a game you play, but you somehow make money. In a short amount of time. Yes. That's why they're called shorts. While you're wearing shorts with boat shoes. Exactly. Right. All right. Near your hedge. Yes. And they trade real quickly. I had a partner who did this and I didn't understand. I still don't. So people are doing all this on the internet. Yes. It's right. legal, right? Yeah. yeah, it's legal. But it's a little bit... Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like... It's not very nice for the, no. for the companies that are being... Played with. Played with. And my understanding is that they chose uh, GameStop GameStop. and some other companies like BlackBerry and Blockbuster because these were companies that they felt nostalgic about from their childhood. Exactly right. Exactly. And because their shorts, they were ones that were being played with because they weren't worth anything. And they were like, let's see if the little people, David and Goliath style, Mm. if the little people can make this worth a lot. Because that's what rich people have been doing forever is that they just game the system and they just all make money. What happens if the poor people do it? It would be very unpredictable if all of a sudden GameStop was worth a lot of money and that's what they did. They clicked their fingers, they bought a bunch of stock and then the rich people, the hedge fund owners who are looking after billionaires, start losing all this money and tearing their hair out. What we've learned basically, the moral of the story, as Reddit would call it, the TLDR, too long didn't read, which is how we're all feeling. I've always wondered what yeah, that stood for. Yeah, too long didn't read. What it means is that a bunch of people on Reddit can manipulate the stock market and make hundreds of millions of dollars just through people power. And those people who are rich and in positions of power have been doing this forever. We didn't know poor people could do it too. There was another description that I read online that said big guy makes deal that if company do bad, they make money. Little guy makes company do good, so big guy has to back out of deal and loses a lot of money. Oh, so I like that because it's just like, like the little people. And did the little people make money? Yes. that I was confused about that. Mm. They have made money. What's unclear now is what happens next. Yeah, because my hand was about to go up to go, why does this matter to the broader universe? It matters to the broader universe because I think it's the democratisation of Wall right. Street and, and the that's stocks. that's why they're freaking out about it. That's exactly. why the hedges are freaking out about yes, it. Yes, because they're like, hang on, this is a system we thought only we knew the rules to and now it turns out that you guys can too. So maybe if we understood the stock market we could make money, but we don't. You know what I keep thinking because I am... Like this is about the level that I can engage with this conversation at. But I'm worried that like as we're letting down our gender 
by the fact that none of us understand the stock market. Uh, there are really. so many outlouders <laughs> who are definitely like, screaming at us because they understand I know, and so they're much. going like, stop making women sound dumb about yes. money and we're like, sorry, but we are particularly. Can smart, I know this mm. isn't how shares work, but can smart outlouders just get in the outlouders group and tell us what to invest shares in? Like, is that, <laughs> can we just do that? Tell us how to make more money, please. Thank you. I couldn't help but wonder <laughs> why the Sex and the City reboot is not called Sex and the City. It's called, and just like that, dot, dot, dot. That's such a carryism. Wait, yeah, but why not just call it Sex and the City? I find it really, really confusing. I think the brand oh. is tainted. Ah, the brand is tainted for a number oh. of reasons we'll get into in a moment. But you may have heard this news broke over the summer break. Kim Cattrall is not going to be part of it and... Originally, they were going to do a third Sex and the City movie, which no one asked for Mm -mm. because the TV show, amazing, iconic, classic, the two movies, diabolically awful. Mm -hmm. And you Mm -hmm. almost wonder if the people who were involved in the movie had ever even seen the TV show. I mean, Michael Patrick. Particularly the second one. King, particularly the the second one, like beyond tone deaf, just awful. I love those women so much. And after watching particularly that second film, I hated them all. Like I didn't want to see them anymore. But they were in talks. It was right at the pointy end and then Kim Cattrall said, I'm not coming back. There was a big drama. She said she hated Sarah Jessica Parker and she didn't want any blood, whatever. People were sad. Sarah Jessica Parker was like, we had the script. It was great. We loved it. We all thought that was the end of it. But people got to work. Everyone's got to earn some coin. And a lot of shows are being rebooted and so now Sex and the City is coming back. It's going to be called and just like that. We're getting 10 half-hour episodes written entirely by women. They claim that they are going to have more diversity. It's going to be more woke because like so many shows that it was set in a specific moment of time and Sex and the City was what, 90s, yes, 2000s? Yes, so early 2000s, yep. And so number of other shows like Friends and Seinfeld and there was no diversity and there were lots of problematic things about them but perhaps because this is a show with four women it has taken more flack than the others or perhaps because they did the two movies which were just pretty awful but anyway so they've said it's going to be better what they have also said this week is that the reboot will confront COVID-19 as part of the plot how do we feel about that Jessie. Terrible. I hate it. With COVID-19, there is no sex and there is no city. So I don't understand. <laughs> it's just going to be Carrie sitting around like the rest of us thinking. I am not enjoying COVID entering my fiction. Mm, I noticed it, it um, in Bump, which I loved. And there was just a reference to it with elbow bump things. And I just kind of went, in order to have the real context of COVID, you need so much and you need probably QR codes, you probably need a mask, which is yeah. really boring. And if I wanted a story about COVID, I would turn on the news or I would read my phone. And I've just been so into it and, like, we've been living it. I would read my own diary. So when I watch a television show... A diary? No, I don't. But if I did, I'd read <laughs> yeah. that to get a story about COVID. I don't need it in my fiction. It's escapism. I've loved Bridgerton. I've loved, you know, parts of Bump or my octopus teacher. There was no bloody COVID in that. Sarah Jessica Parker says that coronavirus will obviously be part of the storyline because that's the city that these characters live in. And how has that changed relationships once friends disappear? I have great faith that the writers are going to examine it all. Aha, in that I recognise a plot line to explain why 
Kim Cattrall's gone. Yes. Do you reckon she died of COVID? Uh, I think maybe she went <laughs> no. upstate or something. Oh, she could have died of COVID. Hole, what do oh you think? Oh, my God. Well, I think that Jesse throws up a very interesting problem for all creators of anything because the world has changed enormously in the past 12 months and we also have no idea how it's going to change from here. And there's always a lead time when you create something, whether you're writing a book or a script or whatever it is. There's a lead time. And so you actually have no idea how to make anything current right now because everything's changing so quickly. So even if Sex in the City includes COVID New York and they're writing it today, by the time it comes out... It'll be dated. Who even knows? Mm. However, I think that we can't ignore the fact it's changed our world. So if you're watching anything that's supposed to be in any way naturalistic and real and have a dose of authenticity about it, it has to reference COVID, right? But my concern, I just wish they weren't doing this. And I say that as a massive Sex and the City fan. I know we've talked about this on the show, although not for ages because Jessie hates it when we do. We've talked about it on the show before. I think that for women of my generation, Generation X women, although we can, as you just mentioned, Mia, we can recognise the issues with that show. From hindsight, it was groundbreaking television. We had never seen anything like it before. It addressed all these issues that women had always thought but never said. It had language and sex and all these things that we just hadn't seen from a women's perspective. So I will always stand by that show. People say, oh, it was just about shoes. It was not about shoes. It's Mm -mm. about many, many important things. Just leave it. Just bloody leave it. Like a little time capsule of goldenness that you can watch endlessly on all of your streaming services at any time. We don't need to know what they're all doing oh, no, now. I'm into it. I'm, I want to revisit those characters. You know what they're going to do, Mia? Because mm. those women are all in their 50s now and they'll be like, oh, no one wants to watch women in their 50s. They're going to have young characters come in, which yeah. is what they did with oh, that first no. movie, Jennifer Hudson. They're going to have like young characters come in. They're going to have to diversify the cast, which of course they need to and that's great. But the thing is, is that in order to tick all those boxes, you're going to lose the the only thing that was ever really great about that show is that the relationship between the women and I, their their personalities, their friendship, their observations has to change fundamentally to update it. So just don't bloody do it. I bet Carrie has a podcast. Oh, she totally will have a podcast. They can't kill Samantha off either. That would be really mean. Oh, no, I think they will. I've First seen lots of suggestions yeah, that they're so gonna, it's going to open and they're going to be at a funeral. Maybe they're yeah. going to be at a Zoom funeral. They will. And she could have, for sure. A Zoom funeral? Yes. Oh, Zoom you should funeral. be in the writer's room. Well, I that's why I'm bitter. I haven't had the call. As Charlotte began her new career as a professional husband hunter, Miranda returned home to... Okay, recommendations. Before we go today, I have not just a recommendation, but an obsession. You two need to watch this show immediately so that we can talk about it, if not on Out Loud, just generally around the office. Everybody's watching it. It's called It's a Sin. It's on Stan. Everyone's crying. So many people have yelled at me to watch this. It is very hyped. a five-part British drama sort of comedy drama sad sadness thing written by a guy called Russell T Davis now he wrote the original queerest folk he's a, he's a middle-aged guy gay man um, from Britain and he wrote the original queerest folk he also wrote years and years which was sold some of the most terrifying television you've ever seen and he has now written this show called it's a sin and it follows the lives of a small group of gay men and their female best friend in the in 1980s London so they all oh, come wow. from different parts of the country and move into the shared house and they've all got different backstories and 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 sort of where they came from and all of that stuff 
And then the AIDS epidemic hits. And it is the most fascinating show because it's weirdly current because you're watching a pandemic unfold Mm. in real time Mm. and you're watching the misinformation and it just echoes so much with what we're going through now, although obviously with a very different subtext of all the Mm. awful prejudice that came alongside. But they don't know how it spreads. And the first one, so it's just all this gossip about like, oh, you can't, you know, and no one can use that cup and it's this and it's that and you can't go near that person. And did you know you can get it from this? And did you know you can get it from that? And, oh, it's just a conspiracy from drug companies who want to sell gay people things. Like it's fascinating and then obviously as it begins to decimate this group of friends and their circles it is heartbreakingly sad one of the good things is it makes you realize how much progress we have made Mm. in lots of countries Mm. now where it's unthinkable the stuff that is happening Mm. to these people who are locked away segregated from their families their families are so embarrassed and it's there's this whole kind of thing of it of that all these young people have come to London as young people do to live their lives and be free of their expectations and how they are and then their families come to take them home when they're dying and for a lot of the families they had no idea their sons were gay and the the guys don't want to go they want to be with their it's just I can't even and it's just unbelievable and there were people being held against their will it's a sort of historic portrait of a time that I think it takes a while to look back and go that was awful for a million reasons anyway but also that makes it sound like a very hard work show and it is not it is brilliant it's brilliantly acted it's brilliantly written you will gasp you will cry it is great it's called it's a sin it's on stand five parts queer history amazing Thank you for listening to this episode of Mamma Mia Out Loud. It was produced by Emma Gillespie and the executive producer of Mamma Mia Out Loud is Eliza Ratliff and we'll see you on Mamma Mia. Bye-bye. Bye. If you're looking for something more to listen to, check out Mamma Mia's daily podcast, The Quickie. Now, particularly Friday's episode, you'd think that in 2021 we would all be free to make our own choices, but when it comes to having children... It seems that is not really the case. As the quickie host Claire Murphy found, the pressure on Aussie women to fulfil the traditional role of mother is still huge, even if their health is at risk. In 2021, the structures in which women find themselves with inflexible workplaces, the onus on women to take on more of the caring roles in domestic work, as well as expensive daycare fees, it makes it easier for many to make the choice to not be a mum to a human child. Dion says she's heard all the responses when people find out that she hasn't had children yet. A lot of what I've heard growing up has been, you know, you'll grow out of it. You just need to meet the right person. It's not the right time, but you definitely will. I've heard a lot of rhetoric around, you know, if you don't, you'll regret it. And if I think about each of those things, you know, you'll grow up and you'll change your mind. Haven't to date. If I think about the fear of missing out, I don't necessarily think that's a thing for me. I think I had the odd moment where I'm like, no, shall I, shouldn't I? I've never felt that my life was made by having a child or bringing a child into the world. It's never been one of those big sort of things for me. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.